Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Rich Ryan, bringing you another installment of Torque Talk. So here at the Obstacle Race Collab, our goal is to take athletes who are on the verge of breaking through to that next level and really giving them the support to to boost them up so that they do get the best results possible. Some of the athletes you may know, and we featured very often throughout uh, these past couple months on these very uh, podcast and video installments called Torque Talks. Today we're bringing you an athlete who we have not introduced to you yet. His name is Vince Bukowski. And Vince is an Army Ranger and is just starting to get into obstacle course racing uh, this year in 2021. But in this episode, we talk about Vince in the 2021 Best Ranger competition. Vince and his friend and his partner, Alistair Keyes, won the 2021 Best Ranger competition, which is a monumentous feat. And today we're going to go through the entire event, kind of what it is, a little bit about Vince and his background, what he's predicting to uh, do in the next couple of months and years. We also have Mark Godet on the episode with us, who is also an Army Ranger, and just kind of add some color and some context behind what it means and what Vince has done. Because uh, basically, Mark was just there to brag for Vince, because Vince, that's, that's really not his style. But the episode's awesome, really gives you an insight to what this huge, big, ultra type of event is, and what kind of athlete Vince is, because he's an extremely high-level runner, his 5K PRs, sub-1420, and he's going to be an athlete to really kind of look out for coming into this next level of obstacle racing and just everything beyond. So this is an awesome episode. Really gives you a good idea of, of who he is and, and what he has accomplished here uh, just last week. So here we go. Vince Pukowski and Mark Gaudet. All right. I am joined by two badass dudes who have done, who have both done the best Ranger competition today. I'm here with Mark Gaudet and Vince Pukowski. Fellas, what's up? How's it going? Good see you. So I want to really dive into the competition just at hand because Vince and his partner were just crowned best Ranger competition winners. I don't know if crowned is the, or you earned it. However you say you're the best Ranger. You've won the best Ranger competition in 2021, which is amazing. And I think in the obstacle race space, we have some familiarity with it because um, our previous two-time world champion, Robert Killian and Spartan race has also participated in this. And I believe it has been a previous winner, but in terms of like what this means, and like I don't, I don't necessarily know. I know it's a big deal, but I don't know what everything kind of comes into. It. And just from my conversations with Mark, and just getting to know you over the years, like it seems like it's pretty hard. <laughs> so I want to kind of talk about some of the competition and everything, and and what that kind of looks like. So, so Vince, just to like really kind of lay it out there real quick, like if you had to describe what this competition is in just like uh, a few sentences. Like, how would you describe the best ranger competition? Yeah, so I think if you go back to like the, the founding documents of the competition, it really describes it best. The Army wanted to put on a Ranger Olympics uh, to try and identify the best two-man team in the United States Army. Um, and with that, they wanted to test um, every skill they could uh, that's expected of a U.S. Army Ranger, um, from marksmanship to moving under load to obstacle courses to medical, uh, whatever the task, they wanted to make sure that it was an all-encompassing competition that really tested every, every single uh, part of a ranger. And so with something like the Olympics say, like say most Olympic competitions happen over the course of, you know, several days, there'll be some sort of qualifying events that will lead into something else. Um, there'll be days of rest. There'll be days of breaks in between. This isn't necessarily like that, right? This isn't, this isn't like a marksmanship competition on Tuesday. And then Thursday, you're going to do the obstacle course, right? This is all one big thing. 
Yeah, so it's it's almost semi continuous for three straight days. Uh, you get a little bit of of rest and break in in between some events um, when they're trying to reset for a mass start event. But other than that, it's it's really a, a continuous competition that runs from six thirty a.m. on Friday until about two three p.m. on on Sunday afternoon. So this is really more of an an ultra ultra distance event, right? <laughs> Yes and no. So the, the interesting thing about, about the best ranger competition is that if you imagine, for example, the CrossFit Games has 16 events throughout the weekend, it would be similar if those 16 events all happen back to back, but you have no idea how anybody is doing in any of those events. Um, so for example, you start the first event with an eight mile run and that spreads everybody out. And then you come up to the first obstacle course, which is Melvesti, which is about a three minute long obstacle course. But you have no idea how fast other teams are going to do the obstacle course. So you have to do it as fast as you possibly can. Mm. And then there was about a two mile run after that. And because you're still spread out from everybody, you have no idea how fast other people are going to execute that run. So then you're basically just going max effort after max effort after max effort, um, trying to secure points, but, but with, with really no idea of how your competition is doing or, or where they are currently at. I see. So it's not, it's not necessarily one long, big race. Things are still scored individually, but they just happen over the course. It just happens over the course of, so you can do really poorly in that eight mile run that starts and win a bunch of events back to back and, and kind of put yourself in better position. It's not necessarily catching whoever's leading it. Yeah. So, so they score the best range of competition in a pretty interesting manner. So there were about 30 events throughout the weekend. Um, and each event has a separate weight. Um, and those weights can range anywhere from one to eight. Um, they don't disclose the weights. They don't tell you what's weighted more, or what's weighted less. But what we know from historics is that typically your, your shooting events, your obstacle course events, um, and any super long movement, for example, the night road march, which was 19 and a half miles, um, those are going to be weighted a little more heavily. Um, and we know that, you know, minor movements in between ranges or some of the, uh, like there was an antenna, um, uh, fabrication is part of the competition. We know that that's probably weighted less because it's not as, as big of a cornerstone as, as the move shoot and communicate aspect is, but you're still going to want to win, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's not like you probably know what's going to be weighted more and like where you can save energy here or there, but like, cause you have no idea how anyone's doing. You still have to go all out for everything, huh? Yeah. So my partner and I kind of use the approach of, um, of trying to temper at least the first event. So we know the first event was going to be a eight mile run. Um, and we knew that, you know, teams are going to go out there and they're going to try and gun this eight mile run. Um, and if they do that, they're going to put themselves in a deficit for the rest of the day, mm. especially because um, you're up on adrenaline. Um, and because we thought it was going to be a lower weighted event, we actually purposely came in around fourth or fifth place on that first run, allowing some of the other teams to, to run ahead of us. What that allowed, though, is for us to know that, hey, these four or five teams that are ahead of us are faster teams. So if we chase them down uh, throughout the rest of the day, we know that we're doing pretty well. Um, and then in the subsequent events, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we allowed them to take event one so that during event two, three, four, and five, we could chase them down throughout the day and have a good idea of, hey, these are some of the fastest teams out here on the course. And because we're even just catching up with them or surpassing them in these events, um, it means that we're probably doing well against, against the field as a whole. Those type of racing tactics, 
that's just a really smart way to go about it, where it would be really easy to go out and, and kind of set the precedent for what this is going to be. It's like, listen, we are the most fit team. We put in the most work. We're going to take it from the start. But being able to kind of have that wherewithal to back things off so that you can then kind of gain information and have tactics later. I mean, just little things like that are, are probably why you guys competed at the highest level of this and, and, and won the actual event. And, and this is something I want to touch on and really speaking of the relevance of, of how you guys, how you guys did this, but also what it means in the grand scope of things. So, so Mark, tell, tell us a little bit about like what it means to win the best Ranger competition. Um, well, I think the, the closest equivalency that I, that I can think of in the OCR, um, world would be, you know, winning the Spartan world championships. That's probably the, you know, within the Ranger community, um, you know, winning the best Ranger competition is like the pinnacle, um, of, of that. Like, like Ben said, this is the Olympics of the, uh, of the Ranger community and, um, you know, I know Vince wouldn't say that, but this is something that would, you know, set him apart from from his peers for the rest of his career. Yeah, what kind of career implications are there behind this then, right? Because this is a competition. And if you win the Spartan World Championships, like, that would be good for your life, but not necessarily for, like, your career. Like, at this point in, in obstacle racing, probably not, like, for your career, right? Like, you're probably still going to have to, like, figure out things down the road but when you have this type of win under your belt this type of credential does it then kind of put like elevate your your status absolutely i mean so much about the army is is based on reputation and you know obviously vince will still and uh and al will still have to perform um from here on out um however you know going into any position um in that you know, Vince's upcoming evaluation, it's going to mention that, that he's the 2021 um, winner of the best Ranger competition. So going into any uh, new position, um, that's going to be well known. Um, and of course, he still has to live up to it um, every day, but it definitely um, will be a boost um, as he as he climbs the ranks. Yeah. So Vince, are you going to be kind of like, like Ranger famous now? <laughs> like your OCR, like there's OCR famous people. Like probably wouldn't know an OCR famous person if, if you saw him at Starbucks. But if you were at a, at a Spartan race, you'd be like that. Per I know exactly who Ryan Atkins is. Are you gonna be? Is it gonna be that kind of thing? Like, what does this mean for you? Like going into this, I'm sure like winning. You know, you're a competitive guy, and that that was the idea behind this, right? It's like well, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna put ourselves in the best position to win this. When you were kind of going through this competition what were you telling yourself in terms of what it would mean for you to win this or what it would mean, like what effort you wanted to put forward during this type of event? Yeah. So I think, you know, since I learned of the best ranger competition, um, you hear about names that kind of linger out there, uh, about the best ranger competition. For example, I knew, I knew, uh, Mark's name before I'd ever met him. Um, because of his performances at the best ranger competition. I knew Killian's name before I even like knew he was into obstacle course racing because of the best ranger competition. Uh, so you kind of, you know, you hear about what these guys uh, put their bodies through to, to try and win and, and to train to the level necessary um, to get stuff done. And especially within the, uh, the ranger regiment, we have a, you know, a good culture of, of trying to go for the win, but we have guys that 
you know, we can look to like a Mike Rose or a, a, a Sergeant Major Horsager, um, who have really, really done well in the competition before and, and pick their brains to, to just try and see, hey, hey, what have you done to be successful? So, um, you know, in, ter- in terms of what it means, it, it was really just an honor to, to get the opportunity, um, you know, that it's rare in the military that they'll come to you and say like, hey, you can, you know, take some time off and focus on this extracurricular activity that, that we want you to chase. And, and so we were really just honored to be given that opportunity and be trusted by our command to, to try and do the right thing and, and train to the best of our abilities and, and get after it. So um, I was really just excited to compete. Yeah, and if you have that opportunity, you might as well go all in, right? Yes. It doesn't seem like yeah. there's something that it's going to be passive or just something that is just going to be fun. It's like, hey, we're here. We have this chance. This is something that we got to take advantage of. So we got to get into it. So let's let's talk about like what the event is and what it looks like. And I'm, I'm interested to hear, Vince, how it was for you. And then, and then Mark kind of bounced to you for the, the previous ones that you had done and kind of how they compare and if they kind of change over time. And then I want to kind of get into the prep of things uh, and just kind of what that looked like for you leading up to this event since you did have this opportunity and, 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 and how you, you, you got after it, how you put yourself in this position in terms of physical preparation, mental preparation, and just like tactics even, because that seems to have made a big, uh, had a big implication on how the, the final results kind of came around. So we've touched that it's very long and it's very many back to back to back type of efforts. So what did it look like? I guess just kind of take us through the parts that are important um, just so we have a good idea of like what it was because like, you know, we're, we're putting it in this context of what it means historically and, and, and everything, but like, what is it? Yeah. So best ranger competition, easiest way to think about it is three days, about 70 miles of movement, give or take. Um, and within those 70 miles, you're doing everything from uh, basic marksmanship to advanced marksmanship to medical, uh, rock climbing, uh, mountaineering, land navigation, uh, longer road movements, some um, underweight and under stress, um, but it's three days and, and about 30 events long. And each one of those events then carries its own weight um, and its own scoring system. Um, and during the week before you're given all of the rules of the competition. So they brief up every single event uh, what the rules for that individual event are, and basically what your left and right limit are um, on those events. Now, within that, there's a lot of room for interpretation or, um, you know, trying to figure out the best or the fastest way to, to accomplish a task. Um, and so there is a lot of, of thinking that goes involved in each individual task. Um, hmm. You're given a book, um, and that book has all the standards for each event. And you can write in your book and carry it with you all weekend. So, for example, there, there was a sniper range out there. Um, and we had gone out and shot sniper rifle before. So in that book, we had wrote our dopes for each individual um, range. And a dope is basically just where you hold the, the reticle or the sight on the target at a given distance so that you can engage that target. So we had that written in our book. So when we got to the range... Uh, we knew about the distances of the targets, and then I could just read off what my partner's dopes were, and he could he could fire off rounds faster than the other teams who had to figure out what their dope holds were at those given distances. So that kind of gaming goes into just about every event um, as you move your way through the days. So what would be an example, if you could just kind of give a cadence for it? 
And is it broken out evenly? So it says about 30 events. Is it about 10 a day or does it mix based off of the, the length of a given event? Like you said, like they, an eight mile run probably takes a long time. And then some of the other events might be shorter or is there any type of flow that way? And like, what would it look like? Like if you could just give like two or three things in a row, just so we can kind of like an idea of like yeah. what the actual events were. Yeah. So, uh, Really, the best range of competition is broken, I would say, into, into five phases. Um, phase one is, is like the opening phase. Um, and the opening phase usually consists of an eight to nine mile long buddy run uh, into the Malvesti obstacle course, which is about a three minute long obstacle course, uh, down to a pond swim, uh, to a run, uh, to a what they call an urban obstacle course, which is where you're going in and you're entering and clearing rooms um, and you're engaging targets with, with your rifle uh, or pistol. You're lifting heavy objects. You're moving casualties from point A to point B uh, across what looks like a, a city, um, but built on like a military compound. Um, from there, we were flown to the ranges um, and we went through the range sequence, which for us was a sniper range a three gun competition style range. So that's where you uh, go from rifle to shotgun to pistol, uh, engaging various targets at various distances, and then a typical M4 qualification. And then we ended the uh, first phase or the opening sequence with the uh, army combat fitness test. Um, but it was in a sprint style. So normally it's, you know, you set up for your, for event one, which is the deadlift, and then you're given 10 minutes. Uh, but instead, what they did was they just made one standard that everybody had to pass. So I believe the deadlift was 220 pounds. You executed uh, three reps on 220, and then you went right into uh, the next event, which was hand release push ups, and you had to conduct 30 of them right into you know all the events. And then it ends with a two mile run. Um, mm -hmm. And you just had to be below a certain standard in order to score. Um, and then it was just whoever could do all those events in the fastest time took the ACFT. So that finished up phase one, which is the opening phase and really the phase that I think A sets the tempo, but B can either make or break your competition. And I say that because some guys will overreach on day one. And if you get into a caloric deficit too soon, or, or you, you're not tuned in with your hydration or you're running low on salts um, because of the nature of the competition, you don't have time to really recoup that and you can end up in a, in a pretty hurting spot uh, coming up. So then you go into what I would call, I'll, I'll wait there if you've got questions. So since we are there, when you got through phase one, where are you guys mm -hmm. at this point? You said that the eight mile, so let's just go through it like where you got, how you guys did. So when you, after they said like the eight mile and you're kind of what, fifth or sixth, because you wanted to see how, how the rest of the teams, like where their strengths were and then kind of like uh, have some sort of like strategy based off of that. So after you kind of went through these different phases after phase one, like where were you guys? Yeah. So we had known going into the top or the first run um, and really before the competition, because everybody posts their stuff to Strava now um, that we were pretty competitive in terms of speed. Uh, I got my partner down to a 441 mile about two weeks prior to the competition. And, uh, we had and, seen a and bunch Vince, of other. Just, sorry, real quick. You're a high level runner, right? So we just like, just give us like, Two or three PRs. Yeah, so I, I ran in college. I was a 14, 17, 5K guy and a, and a 30, 06, uh, 10K guy okay. in college. Cool. So, so that just kind of shows the scope of like, you're like at an, a level of running that most people won't ever touch. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, just, so you know you're going to be fast. 
I knew you were going to be fast. You got your partner who did well in a Spartan race earlier this year. So, like, yeah. you know, like he has some wheels. You can kind of get through everything. And what was his name? We haven't mentioned his name yet. Uh, Alistair Keys. Alistair Keys. That's a cool name. He sounds like yeah. somebody who's going to win competitions. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, you knew you were going to be fast. So, coming out of the first one, uh, where, where, where are we at now then? Sorry that I interrupted. No, no worries. So, so going into that first run, we really said like, hey, we want to be high zone two, low zone three for this first run. Uh, other guys might extend further than that, but our goal is to maintain a conversational pace through this first run and let the cards fall however they should. Uh, and again, that put us in about fifth or sixth place through the first event. Um, we know that we won uh, the next event, which was Malvesti. Um, we won, which was the uh, three minute long obstacle course. We won the uh, pond swim immediately following that. We run won the uh, run to the urban obstacle course, which is where you enter and clear rooms. Uh, we won the urban obstacle course itself. We won the sniper rifle range uh, after that. And then we won the uh, army combat fitness test uh, to close out the first phase. So going into the end of the first phase, we knew that we had won about seven of 10 events on day one. Wow. So, and, and are they... Are you you know you won based off of who's around you? Are you getting confirmation that you're winning these? So at the time, we have no idea. Uh, we didn't find out till after the competition how we kind of racked and stacked okay. in individual events. Um, but then going back and talking with the uh, guys that were doing the scoring, they let us know uh, the events we had won. But but while you're in it, you have no idea how you're stacking up against every event, and that's why it's a super interesting competition because every event just kind of becomes this max effort grind. And as you go through the competition, everybody's max effort starts here. And by the end of the weekend, everybody's max effort is down here. And it's just who, who has still a little bit left in the tank to push. I think that's what they say even about like an 800, right? It's like, it's not who's going to kick the hardest. It's who's going to like slow down the least. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly like that. So, and that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, it's pretty brutal because it like takes away some tactics to conserve energy. And it doesn't really, because in a race, like if something like this, maybe you can you can dictate a lot from the front, but that's like out the window. So after the first day, did you, what were you thinking? Yeah. So after the first day we had, our coaches had come up to us uh, that had helped us out from, from the range regiment. And they had a pretty good idea. We had them spread off uh, along different events to try and, you know, get times of teams we knew uh, were super competitive. Um, and they, they were giving us, you know, good feedback that we were doing well, that we were staying competitive in the things we needed to stay competitive at, especially the shooting uh, that, that we thought was going to be one of our, um, one of our weak points compared to some of the other teams. Uh, but they were telling us, Hey, you're, you know, you're in the top 10 for this range or you won the sniper range, which we were, we were pumped about. Um, and so staying competitive in some of those key events on day one that, that could have gone the other way. Um, was really, really important. So we were feeling, we were feeling good, but Al and I had this motto going in that we were going to have a short-term memory about everything. Uh, so every event was a new event. Uh, if it went good, great. We'll celebrate it briefly. But if it went bad, we're going to forget about it uh, within five minutes and just move on to the next event. And I guess just to pause here a bit on the mindset of things, because that's really a part of this competition that, that seems like you have to have. So is this like something that is that you guys kind of came up um, with you and Alistair, you kind of came up on your own, or is this kind of like preach to you? And, and, and Mark, for you, in your ex examples of this, like was your mindset kind of the same as everybody kind of have this mindset or, and how hard is it to kind of fall 
back into like dwelling on an event or or getting a little bit too comfortable for an event and i, I kind of asked that to both of you guys so i guess whoever wants to kind of like answer can go ahead <clears throat> um well i mean i guess I'll, I'll start with it um so just uh to go off what, what vince has already said what was so impressive about their performance on on day one was how consistent they were um and when they shot Krilling Range on, you guys shot Krilling Range on day one, right, this year? Day two. Day, day two, two was Krilling. Okay. Um, but I think, uh, you know, after their, their second range, um, I knew that competition was over um, at that point when I saw them still in the lead. Um, we, like he said, we had no idea where they were racking and stacking on each range. Um, but they were like, you know, they were extending their lead with every single event on day one, which is, which is incredible. Usually teams are like, every time they release the latest uh, standings, teams are like jumping. And like they, once they took the lead after probably was event two, I don't think they, they posted the results until after event three, they were in first and they didn't move from that position for the rest of the competition, which is incredible. Hmm. Um, that's how consistent they were across the board, which shows me that like their mindset, you know, we talk about being a goldfish and having a short memory um, after, you know, crushing an event or having a rough event. Um, those guys actually, you know, executed that way uh, throughout, which I know how difficult it is. You always say that and you always talk with your partner about it. But when, as you like fatigue over the course of three days, it's really hard to execute that way. And that's what I was, I was super impressed with these guys, how consistent they stayed throughout like every event all the way until the final buddy run. And there's something to be said about like verbalizing a, a strategy or a mindset or having it there. But like what's actually happening consciously or even subconsciously is like a whole different thing, right? Like you can say, it's like, look at your partner's like short memory. Here we go. This, that, this, that. So Vince, did you, could you honestly say that you were like, this is the event staying, staying present in that event were you just always where you needed to be for all the events, like leading up, leading into it? Yeah, we stayed pretty consistent. So actually, if we keep going forward, we, we had a, a hiccup, you know, pretty shortly after this day one sequence. So after the, the day okay. one sequence, you go into the night sequence. The night sequence kicks off with an unknown distance of ruck march. So you've got about 45 to 50 pounds. Um, you know, you've got your water, you have a, a weapon in hand. And it's an unknown distance for us. It turned out to be 19 and a half miles. So about three miles in, there was a team that started pushing the pace um, pretty hard. Uh, and at first we wanted to go with them, but we decided, you know, we were going to let them go because we had no idea how long this thing was going to go. And then at about mile nine, 10, when the Hills really started kicking up, we, we passed them and we ended up winning the, uh, the foot march, but then we went into night stakes and night stakes consisted of a, um, a shoot with a, a heavy machine gun, a 240 uh, Bravo, um, some pistol shooting at night under nods. Um, there's like a hatchet uh, and archery event as like a mystery event. And then this radio event and um, the two shooting events out of those two shooting events, we know we took dead last at one of them um, and close to last in the other one. Uh, we had a, a pretty major malfunction with the, uh, with the 240 Bravo. Um, and it, it was not feeding, was not cycling, uh, when we were on the weapon system, uh, but they would not, uh, grant us a reshoot. Um, and then we had 
what we thought was a non-zeroed laser on the pistol. Um, so what that means is when the uh, laser's on the, uh, the plate of the pistol and you pull the trigger, we were saying that the bullet was not going where the lasers said it should go. And they were resetting the lasers uh, after everybody's iteration, but we were the first people to that, that pistol iteration. So we thought we had a leg to stand on and, and they didn't grant us a reshoot on that. So coming out of that night iteration, we were um, constantly reiterating and it's, it's kind of what you had said earlier, constantly just trying to vocalize like, hey, short memory, let's put it behind us. Let's see where we stack up, you know, going into, into the next phase of things. Um, but when we came off the 240, it was immediately like, all right, put it away, get out that competitor book I mentioned earlier that has like the uh, standards for the next event. And we're just going to read up on the next event um, because that's all we can control at this point. And so were there any like tactics or mental exercises that you had practiced previously or that you had to kind of remind yourself in those moments where it would have been easy to dwell, especially for something like what could have potentially been a malfunction to like not like dwell on that or like feel bad about something like that happening? Because I feel like this is something and that is really helpful for obstacle racing, like last conversation mark and i had on the podcast were about some things that went poorly in a race right and like they like things happen and sometimes it can ruin your your race and other times you can kind of harness that that focus is there anything in particular that you you did like to prepare for that or was it just about executing and just like really being disciplined in those moments so we tried to practice things under like duress and stress as much as much as we could. So we would get done with a, a long training run or a long day of training, and we would immediately go into you know a cognitive task or a skill based task uh, to try and replicate what your mind's actually going to feel like doing something under fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, like we train things always fresh because it's it's easy to train something fresh, um, and it's not fun when you're just got done with something to have like another thing on your calendar to do before you can call it a day, but but we tried to constantly practice just cognitive skills and, and uh, skills-based training under stress and under general fatigue. And that makes sense, right? Because sometimes there is, there's a place to do things fresh, like if you're looking for like maximal speed or power mm-hmm. or whatever, and that makes sense. But it, when it's trying to replicate what you're going to feel like uh, mentally, and that is the, that's got to be the worst part about training. Cause it's like, yeah, when you're done, it feels great to be done, not to do something else that is going to suck. Um, so, okay. So now we're in a day two, you had, um, two of those events that, you know, didn't go well. What happened after that? So after that, they give you about an hour and a half to sleep. Um, and then you go into, uh, what's called day stakes, um, which this year was seven events. Um, and it's like a round Robin style, um, event. So it starts with, uh, or we started with, um, uh, what they call the tri tower. So it's my partner rock climbed while I Prusik climbed, uh, and Prusik climbing, not to get too into it, but it's basically you tie knots on a rope and you're using these, these opposing knots to, uh, shimmy up a rope. Huh. Um, and so that's 60 foot climb. You repel off the other side and then you go into a series of towers that have ladders and ropes that you have to climb. Um, so we went from there to weapons assembly. Uh, there were three weapons inside a box. You open it up, everything's disassembled and you have to reassemble it, um, in the fastest amount of time. Uh, there was a medical lane, um, 
that you approach a casualty, you have to uh, handle that casualty's injuries and then move them to a, a exfil site, um, call up a nine line, which is what we use in the military in order to get like a helicopter moving um, to pick up a casualty on the battlefield and then package that casualty to be picked up by a helicopter. Uh, then we went to event four, which was hand grenades. Um, and that was just, you know, there's targets out there and you're throwing hand grenades at targets and trying to get them with, within an area. Um, and then we went into krilling range, as, as Mark had mentioned earlier, which was a, a three-gun style shoot um, under stress. So there was some movement in between. There was uh, movement of a, a simulated casualty. Um, but that shooting went from pistol to shotgun to rifle. Um, and then I shot sniper rifle to close out that range and my partner shot pistol. And then the seventh event, or no, then the sixth event was mortars. Uh, so you have to take a mortar tube and emplace it properly um, according to doctrine. And then the final event of day stakes was a, a emergency resupply mission, which is really just a, a word for um, move all this stuff from point A to point B as fast as possible. And it was a bunch of just heavy stuff that, you and your partner had to lift up together and, and just move it as fast as you could. Some easy grunt work. No problem. <laughs> the, so how were you guys feeling after, after these events? Like, did you feel like you were kind of getting some momentum back? Or Definitely. Where, where, where was your headspace at? Definitely. So they allowed the, the top four teams going into day stakes to select where they started. Um, and because of that, everybody kind of flocks to try tower where we had started, um, to start. So we got to start with the top four teams and everybody kind of starts there because it's the most physically demanding task that you're going to have to do throughout day stakes. So if you start there, you know that your day gets easier from there. Mm. If you have to finish there, you know, like, Hey, I have to save something for the tri tower. So because we had the top four teams in our group, we were able to kind of measure off them. Um, and we had our, our watches going the whole time and we were timing, you know, their efforts on each event. Um, and we knew our times on each event and every time we were stacking up well, if not, you know, exceeding what that group of four was doing. Uh, so we figured, Hey, we're, we're probably building momentum. We're probably building a lead. And it wasn't until we got to a uh, curling range, the three gun shoot that we, uh, made it through the, uh, shoot. And we asked the guy like, Hey, how does that stack up in terms of teams you've seen today? And he said, you're probably in second place right now at this range. And knowing that there were only, you know, six more teams to go through Krilling range, we were like, all right, we're probably in a, a super good position right now uh, throughout day stakes. And, and that really helped us build some momentum. Right. Because you ended up there because other teams had to start there and, and kind of circle back. And that was the last one. Oh, OK, cool. Yep. Is that another I guess you would have known no matter what, like where your placing probably would have been no matter what the last event would, would have been. So. Okay. So you're feeling good going into that. And then what is the, um, are you, are we then leading into the final part or what are. Yeah. So there, then there's really just two more phases to the competition. So really I, I dedicate one whole phase to night land navigation. Cause I'm sure as Mark can attest to, it's probably the most brutal part of the competition. Um, your, your body's already absolutely smoked. And then it's basically a free for all out there to, basically move as far as you can within a given amount of time on no sleep for the second day. And you've cashed your body now for two days in a row. Uh, so you're pretty tired. Um, and that, that was the next part. And that's where my partner and I, like we went through some, some pretty dark times out there on the road, uh, just droning, right. Falling asleep while we're walking, um, one at a time or 
or both of us are kind of droning at the same time. Um, we're trying to talk as much as we can to stay awake. And then all of a sudden it's like silent and 30 minutes goes by and you kind of look around and have little to no idea where you are. Um, but because we had spent so much time out there and we're familiar with the area, we could kind of rely on instinct to kind of drive, drive where we were at. So, and we actually didn't touch on this. Where, where are you? Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, okay. So about 90 minutes South of Atlanta. Okay. So the whole competition takes place. Is it always here? It's always pejoratively at Fort Benning, Georgia. There's times where they'll go up, uh, four night land navigation specifically to North Georgia into the mountains. Um, but Fort Benning, Georgia always hosts the, uh, the best ranger competition. Okay. Got it. Um, all right. So where are we now? So yeah, sorry, I interrupted to, to kind of put a, a picture of like where this actually is happening. Cause you mentioned some Hills and things like that, but, uh, where, where are you at now? We're like in the back area of Fort Benning away from like all semblance of of civilization it's just you know clay roads out there um pretty hilly terrain and we're just walking through the night um so we stepped off at about 8 p.m um and we stopped walking at 2 a.m um so they gave us six hours and they did land nav a little differently this year than they had in years past um so they condensed the timeline because in years past it was kind of start at point a and get to point b and find points along the way uh, this year, they dropped everybody off at different points, and then you had to go and collect as many opposing points as you could. Um, and then they measured the distance between the points you got, and you got rewarded that amount of distance. Uh, so instead of being driven by how many points you could find, it was driven by how far could you move in six hours. Interesting. What is it? What is the idea behind that? Is it just a different a way to kind of switch it up or is it supposed to be better? So they try and just change different aspects of the competition every year to kind of keep it fresh in a way, but also just uh, remove the ability for guys to war game too much. Or, you know, if someone finds out the route ahead of time, they can go out there and, and really, really case the land and figure out where everything's at. Um, and so this way they just kind of drove out, Humvees everywhere, and those Humvees were then your points, and you're just basically moving to different Humvees. And once you got to one, they gave you your point to go to the next one. So you only had one point at a time that you could possibly find. Got it. And how are you guys doing through this part? So besides like falling asleep while walking, we <laughs> felt pretty good um, for like the first two three hours. We ran almost the entire time. Uh, and then at about hour three, we hit a hill that took us about 40 minutes to get over. Um, and from that point on, we didn't do a lot of running. Uh, that hill had kind of crushed our momentum that, that we had been feeling. Uh, we know that we covered about 40 kilometers uh, in six hours with our rucksacks and, and weapon, um, which, which was enough to win the, uh, the nightland navigation by about five kilometers um, on the next wow. team. Wow. So you guys really like, put in some big efforts here yeah and the nice thing about the way they did land navigation is you're constantly like zigzagging across the map and you're randomly bumping into other teams and every time we would see like another team off in the distance we would just start running um because most of the teams were walking at this point um we were just trying to hey every time we're going to pass a team we're going to look like nothing's wrong here we're going to look like we're strong we're going to look like we're fit 
we're going to try and act like um, we're not in pain yet. And then the second they would disappear from sight, we would kind of start walking, catch our breath and be like, all right, thank God that's done. Like, now let's just try and get to the next point. Do you get more points for, for crushing an event like that? Or is it just based off of the, the, like, is it percentage of winner or is it based off of just like the place? So it's, it's based on weight in place. So it's like, oh, right, right. The weight of it. Yeah. Usually land navigation is a weight of six or seven. Um, it's a higher weighted event. So um, what they do is at this point, there were 28 teams left in the competition. Uh, so they took, you know, we got 28 points uh, for winning that event. And then they multiply it by, you know, six or seven to give you, you know, how many points you get for that event. Got it. Got it. So, all right. So you matched everybody in that, but really it's not like you could have won by five feet or five kilometers and you get the same points. Yeah. But you have no idea how anybody else is doing. Right. Um, so that's where it was just like, all right, we're just going to keep pushing. There's never an update like, Hey, this other team is, you know, four clicks behind you. It's just got to go push for as long as you can. All right. So that puts you in another good position. And then are we into the, like the last phase then? Yeah. So the last phase is, is Sunday. Um, Sunday starts with the Derby queen, which is 25 obstacles within a mile. Um, oh. so it's, it's, it's just, a, yeah, it's a super obstacle dense sequence. Um, and there's a lot of obstacles at height. Um, a lot of like rope climbing, a lot of like dexterity stuff, but then, you know, balance obstacles and low crawls and cargo nets. Um, and so going into that event, we had, uh, the uh, Sergeant major of the competition had come up to us. He asked us how we were feeling. Uh, we told him, you know, we're, we're feeling pretty good. And he said, uh, something along the lines of, I would be feeling good too, if I was 500 points ahead going into Sunday. And at that point, kind of like everything stopped. My partner looked at, uh, at me, I looked at him and we're like 500 points. Like, let's do the math real quick on yeah, this. Is that insurmountable? See. Like, what is that? Yeah, so the math we did at least on like the the floor that we had available, um, we came up with like, hey, no one can catch us right now. Um, but we knew that uh, from training on the Derby Queen, um, you know, going out and doing a Spartan race uh, kind of in our mid-season, that we were fit enough that we didn't want to let um, let other people, you know, win these events if we thought we could win them. So we went and... Um, the day five sequence was five of, or the day three sequence was five events. Uh, it was the Derby Queen, which we won. It was a uh, jump out of a helicopter and swim with your rucks to shore, uh, which we won. And then the uh, combat water survival assessment, uh, which we won. Um, and that is a ladder up to a beam that sits about 30 feet above the water. You walk across the beam, you climb out on a rope, uh, hit a ranger tab, fall into the water. And then you run up to a zip line that's 60 or 80 feet um, tall and you zip line back down to the pond and then uh, your partner repeats basically the process. Um, and we had won that event as well. So then there were just two events left. And those two events were a range um, that was a 50, 50 cal machine gun, a grenade launcher and like a rocket launcher range. Um, and we did all right there. We were in third or fourth. Um, and then the final buddy run, which is um, almost ceremonial. You can still lose the best ranger competition, but they usually weight it low. Um, and my partner and I kind of looked at each other and, and decided that instead of really pushing on the final buddy run, we were just going to run it in together and, and try to enjoy 
enjoy the time and, and have kind of a moment of reflection of, of what was actually happening. And instead of coming across the finish line and being out of breath, uh, I think we ended up taking 12th or 13th on that final run and just, just really enjoying it and enjoying the time together. You let them win. So let me, let me ask you this in terms of, so it sounds out of like two of the three days, just speaking in generalities, it sounds like there were some dominant performances across that whole time. So, so Mark, when you look at the, this performance in terms of like a historical context versus some other winners in the past, like how does this stack up? Is there typically teams who will come out there and just be the best prepared across the board, or is it a little bit more varied um, depending on like the different teams and the winners and things? No, teams generally do not run away with the competition uh, like this. I, the closest thing I, I can think of is, uh, I think it was 2018. Uh, the, uh, the winning team um, started first class, Rolfus and Allen out of uh, ARTV. They just dominated the, the marksmanship events. And that year, I think we had six consecutive ranges. And I'm pretty sure they won just about every one of them on day one. And the competition was over. Um, and other than that, though, I've seen the event in 2016 came down to the very last event, Wow! Uh, the buddy run, which was a weighted four that year. So a little bit higher of a weight. Um, but that's, that's what makes this competition so interesting. Like Vince said, is each year it's scored a little bit differently and they change things up very subtly, um, that you really never know, um, kind of the, the way things are going to be weighted. Um, we've had weights all um, announced before the event started. So you knew the, the weight of every single event beforehand. And that was 2018. And then they would post the, your overall scores. So you knew where you stood after every single event. Hmm. And then like uh, I've competed years where like Vince said, like Vince had this year where there was, you had no idea where you stood. You just saw where you were on the leaderboard um, after each event. Um and then they've, they've switched it up in the past where you'll get, you know, 50 or 100 point kickers for winning certain events, usually the, the night road march on, on night number one. And then uh, I think one of the biggest things that which I think they should bring back is the night land nav. It used to be you would, you would keep the points that you would get. So each point that you picked up would be worth, you know, 20 points or 15 points. And those would go directly to your score. So like that second night, no one could just pack it in. Mm. Um, and that's actually how Robert Killian won, um, with Eric is they had a pretty big deficit in, in night land nav. They just crushed everybody. They ran like all night long and it wasn't that they were just going to get first place in the event. They, every single point that they picked up was like a significant number of points. Um, so instead of making up only, you know, eight points on the second place team, they were making like. 50 or 60 points on that on that second place team which which really made for an interesting second night when everyone is just completely crushed mm. and you still have like a a significant amount of points out there um and that's why this event when i when i saw them shooting so well on day one and day two i was like this thing is is in the books because they cut from 50 teams down to 28 after day one and I was like, there's just not enough points left in this competition with how strong these guys are physically for any other team to make up um, that gap on them. Uh, because, the, you know, if there's 50 teams and it's a weighted one event, first place is going to get 50 points. The second you cut down to 28 teams for the, the night stakes on day one, that's, 
first place team is is only getting you know or that last place team isn't 50 points behind they're only you know 22 points behind mm. um so i was like doing the math and i was like man this thing is i think i was telling you on yeah after the after they won the foot march i was like this thing is is likely over already um and then they just continued to widen that all the way into day three so i don't think i've seen a a performance this dominant um and i'd say the closest thing was was 2018 so yeah mark you called it kind of early because like i remember asking i was like well how much is left and it was like i was like when are we gonna know and you're like and eh, like 18 hours or something like that i was like oh wow there's still like some time to like see what happens but you were right and like that is kind of how it played out so let's talk about the prep a little bit because you know going through all these events and like there are some things that, you know, obviously is going to need some specific skills and practice to, to just even come complete this event, even know what it is that you have to do. Um, but in terms of like the physical preparation, were you and Al kind of doing always working together? And if so, like, were there, were there certain, like, how did you identify what, what you needed to work on the most? And then how did you kind of execute on, on that planning? Yeah, so we split up our preparation really into, into three portions, right? You have the, the physical preparation, um, you have the marksmanship preparation, and then we had the, uh, the what we call stakes preparation, which is all like the, uh, the cognitive skills or, you know, uh, assembling weapons or doing medical assessments, stuff like mm -hmm. that. We call those stakes. Um, so for, we identified pretty early on that we thought our biggest weakness was going to be marksmanship. Um, so we put a lot of time into just going to the range and, and shooting. And luckily we come from a unit where, um, there is really no limit to how much we can shoot. Uh, we have, you know, a, a lot of ammunition, a lot of weapons, uh, so we can consistently go out to the range and, and get good time. And uh, neither of us were great pistol shots at the start of the train up. So we spent a lot of time uh, just with pistols. And when other guys were, you know, having fun on shooting steel, we were just doing, you know, simple, slow drills to just work on our, our trigger squeeze, our sight picture, um, and really just the fundamentals. Because we knew that once you break down, the first thing that are go is going to go is those fundamentals. And if they're not super sound, um, you're gonna you're gonna be in a world of hurt pretty quick. So we just stuck to the the simple fundamentals. It was super boring uh, shooting all the time, but it was also what we knew we needed to do. So that was kind of where we focused um, our weak weakness time on. And it's like if you wanted to become a better runner, right? You would need to spend most of the time doing long, slow miles, right? Just yes. like doing the the foundation work. So it's probably much more fun and interesting and enticing to do things that might be, you know, competition specific with the pistol, but like you got to put in that base work first. Yeah. Was, was that something that you guys made a decision on like because of that, or is it just kind of the standard practice when it comes to shooting is to like get better at like the small things. So we did that specifically for that reason. Um, a lot of the times we went to the range, we were kind of left to our own devices. So, you know, guys could work on whatever they really wanted to work on at the range. Um, and so we consistently just chose to go work on the fundamentals in our own little corner um, and just, just work on slow fire shooting, um, knowing that 
you know, a lot of time at some of these ranges, especially like stress shoots can be made and just foot movement between from point A to point B. Uh, so we'll try and cash in there to make up for the fact that we're going to shoot a little bit slower than some of the more um, experienced marksmanship teams out there. And when you're saying putting in good time, like, what does that mean in terms of like this type of practice? Like I have no idea what it takes to get better at this or like what kind of time needs to be dedicated to it. Like what is like a session looking like and how often were you doing it? So two to three times a week, we would go to the range for about four to six hours. Um, wow. And we would spend about an hour, two hours initially just working on um, really slow aim fire drills uh, where you're really focusing on your sight picture. You're focusing on your trigger squeeze. You're just trying to focus on one thing at a time. Um, and then we'd spend two hours doing uh, reactive drills where, um, you know, I would draw a bunch of shapes on a target for my partner and I'd call him off and he's just moving his pistol, changing his sight picture. And then we'd spend maybe an hour or two, um, you know, doing some sort of stress uh, simulated shoot, but still focusing on the fundamentals. So, you know, run up to a place, do 30 burpees and then try and take the most accurate shot you can from 25 meters, regardless of how long it takes you to get that shot off. So that way you're practicing, you know, slowing your breath down, uh, making sure your sight picture is good, making sure your hands are stable, uh, your shooting platforms stable and steady. And when we first started doing it, you know, we would take like 30 or 40 seconds to get a shot off. And then by the time we were, uh, you know, ready for the competition, it was maybe only five or seven seconds to get a shot off. Uh, at that 25 meter distance. And that's kind of how we, we gauge progress. So you get to see some progression, which is, which is cool, yeah. which is always, which is always uh, rewarding to see that. So like, that's quite a bit of time, right? So if you're doing that two or three times a week and say you're doing, we'll just say four hours or whatever, you're like looking at 12 hours a week of just that. So what does then the physical piece look like in terms of w which was most likely going to be one of your strengths, right? Yeah. So how were you able to kind of balance two while holding on to that strength that you had on the physical end and, and building up the, the other side that needed to kind of work on? Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword, right? If you don't focus on the physical aspect, you're going to fatigue faster and all your neurocognitive, you know, stuff is going to fatigue faster. So all those little things you practice are great, but if you don't have the, the fitness or, or the, the base to kind of get through it, um, it doesn't matter how well you can, can shoot guys are going to fatigue and, and fall apart. So right. we put a, a lot of time in on, on the physical side. Um, we believed in, in really two things. One was density of mileage. Uh, you know, the competition is three days, 70 miles. So uh, in our peak week, we had worked up to a five day, 100 mile stretch uh, where we were putting about, of those 100 miles, 85 of them were running and 15 of them were ruck marching. Um, and we did that instead of spreading it out across, you know, seven days because we were focusing on, on really what does it feel like when I'm, you know, 80 miles deep or 90 miles deep or 100 miles deep, but it's within this condensed timeline. Um, and that way I can still practice my shooting or my stakes, but under this, this level of duress. Uh, so we focus on density. And then we focused, as you had said, on just long, slow miles. Uh, there were days where Al and I would, um, because I was the strongest, stronger runner, um, 
didn't really mean a whole lot because Al and I trained every single day together side by side, uh, regardless of what the pace had to be. And there were days that we would go out and, you know, do mile repeats and he'd be running down in the low 520s. And then there would be days where neither of us could move much faster than 930 or 10 minute pace. Um, but that was okay. We would just put two hours on the clock and say, Hey, let's go slug around for, um, you know, two hours at 10 minute pace and, and we'll get the 12 miles in, in the long way. Not fun. Not fun to no. do that. Especially I can just no. like, imagine what that feels like a uh, uh, hundred mile week, an 85 mile running week on with rucking on top of it in five days. That's like some real fatigue building. Um, how long, it, how far out were you able to do something that like this in terms of sustainability with just say the miles mileage in general, um, outside of all the other, like, the cognitive and shooting stuff, like, did you project things like, okay, we can probably do a hundred miles a week for eight weeks leading into it. Or was it just like, as long as you could do that much density of, of miles? So it was more just, we built up to it. Uh, we started in January at around 50 miles, uh, for five day segments. And then every week we were just trying to add, you know, 10, sometimes a little more percent, um, on to get up to that, uh, hundred mile week. Um, after that hundred mile week, we put in a hundred and ten mile week, but again, we kept the density at a hundred miles in in five days, and then we did a Saturday Sunday just easy five mile uh, flush to to keep the legs moving. Because what we learned in the first hundred mile week was when we just stopped doing anything, the body did not recover well mm. um, because there was so much fatigue built up in the body that then it wanted to lock down and it really wanted to you know tighten everything up and shut down. Right. But just keeping those five mile runs to, you know, flush acid, force yourself to stretch. Uh, we found were super beneficial, um, that second week. And it's we really did though. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's really interesting how that works, right? You would think mm -hmm. that the less you do, the more you would recover, but those signals that you send to your body to stay prepared, like two days off in a row might not always lead to better recovery. That's really interesting. It's yeah. a great point too. <clears throat> and then we, uh, we did that about five to six weeks out from week six and week five out from the competition. Uh, we hit that hundred and 110 mile week. And then we began our descent um, and the descent was pretty fast. We went from like 70, 50 to 30 to 10. And then it was, you know, time for the competition. Um, but during that time, then we focused on, you know, the, the max VO two work and, and getting on the track and running some fast reps and, and just sharpening the knives at that point but also focusing on just general recovery. So allowing the easy runs to be as easy as they needed to be, to be down at that 60% heart rate um, and really not going much faster than that besides maybe one speed session a week. Mm -hmm. Cause like the speed itself, there's probably not much. What was the idea behind the actual speed? Because to me, when sounding like something like this, the preparation is going to be, you know, becoming fatigue resistant and spending time on your feet and, and how you're going to do with less sleep and, and, you know, what that's going to feel like on the third day of back-to-back of -back competition. So with the speed work itself, there's probably rarely you're going to be in that zone throughout the competition. Or do you find yourself in that, like maybe through some of the obstacle, obstacle races or something like that, that you need to, to have a little bit of that, like high end output? Yeah. So for example, Malvesti's, you know, three minutes long and your heart rate probably gets up to 180, 190, or I know my heart rate gets up to 180, 190 while, while moving through Malvesti. So just having that, you know, 
place that you can tap into, even though you know you're not going to be there for long or, or not consistently or not continually. But knowing you have it, you know, kind of in the toolbox to bring out when you need it is is pretty crucial. Right. So it doesn't necessarily even need to be be running, but that's where you guys are kind of kind of strong. Where you did most of your training, it could have been like assault bike work, like that's yeah. speed work, right? Just something that's going to be familiar with what that that output's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when preparing for this and coming up with the plan, is this kind of standard practice or, or like Mark, what, what was your preparation like when you kind of went into this? Is it, was it something along that same philosophy of density and just getting prepared for the, the feeling of that, the middle of that second day or like the, how is this, how a lot of teams are going to train for this or what does it kind of look like? Like what's the general philosophy? I mean, I, th- I think Vince, like, you know, the Ranger regiment, they do things the right way. Um, their teams go in like fully prepared and um, you know, Vince and Al, they put in, they put in the work. Um, There's a lot of other teams out there, especially like the conventional army uh, units, which I competed three years for like the the first infantry division. Um, We don't necessarily have the ability to, um, you know, put in the, all that time at the range or, um, or really, you know, we're doing a lot of our training after, you know, working from a, you know, a a 14 hour day, a lot of times. And, uh, you know, my partner and I, Tim Nelson did a lot of our training at night. And so we really had to jam a lot of our longer workouts into the week, the weekends. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of times we couldn't really have that five day density that, that Vince talked about. So we would, you know, hammer a, we'd start PT as early as we could in the morning. And then we do PT again when, you know, with our, our units. And then after work, whenever we got off, you know, a lot of times Tim was just waiting around for me um, and Devin, because I was, I was a company commander for three of those years that I, that I competed. So I still had to do my, you know, my, that was my primary focus. And then about six o'clock at night, I would switch gears and go get that second workout in for the day. So then on the weekends, you know, my, my wife was not happy with me because we would be, you know, um, hitting the trails, hitting the, uh, the tank trails, land nav, um, those longer workouts and, and similar to what Vince did. We, we won the, uh, the ruck both years with, with me and Tim, Tim Nelson and kind of what we use for as our progression throughout is we would, if we were working towards like our higher mileage weeks, we would, do half run half ruck so we would start at like you know five miles we'd go for a five mile ruck running the entire thing and then we immediately would drop the rucks and go run five miles in our boots and then the next week we were at six miles working all the way up till we're doing 10 and 10 it just limited the amount of time that we had the ruck on our backs and we would do that once a week and then our second ruck of the week we would load up with a heavier load and just walk usually carrying some type of weird apparatus like a, you know, a slosh pipe or ammo cans or kind of just working the strength that we'd need on that, on that second night. Um, But yeah, I'd say a lot of teams just aren't as physically talented as, as Vince now either. And a lot of teams overtrain and they show up at best ranger already banged up. Um, And that was one thing that we really, tried to avoid um as much as possible and i when i saw some of their mileage on strava i actually sent vince a note and i was like hey how's how's al holding up i know he's not he doesn't have the running background that 
that Vince does. And I was kind of concerned. I was like, man, I just hope he's not going to have some type of nagging um, overuse injury going into it. But they were, they were really smart about it with the, uh, you know, their deload accelerated quickly and they were far enough out with that six week um, ahead of the competition where, you know, they were clearly like ready to go on game day. And I, I was really fortunate to kind of go off what Mark was saying, really fortunate to have Al as a partner. So Al was actually a collegiate wrestler at the uh, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Mm. So he comes at everything with like that, that wrestler mindset of like, nothing's going to break me. Um, and I was coming to him during like hundred and, you know, the hundred and 110 mile weeks. And I was like, Hey man, how are you feeling? And every time I'd ask me, he'd be like, I feel great. And I'm like, I do not. So I know you're lying to me right now, but like, I need you to tell me if like we're approaching injury. And he's like, no man, I feel great. And it wasn't until like, we were like two days out from the competition where he's like, yeah, man, during those weeks I was really sucking. And I was like, well, you like never showed it once. You never like admitted to it once. And it was that mindset that then like, you know, when we're deep in the pain cave on night two during land F, he was the same way. He's like, I feel great. Let's push, push harder. And it's just mm -hmm. like, it's an animal mindset that that is pretty cool to work with. He just chose to not feel like shit. He's like, no, <laughs> I won't. Uh, Vince, how do you think Al's experience in, I guess, 2019, um, did that, did that help you guys? Uh, Cause I know you, you know, you got to do one event in 2019 um, and your partner went down with a heat, heat stroke, yeah. I think. Um, so he had that full competition experience this year. There are only four competitors in the, the hundred man field who had finished the competition and 11 who had competed in the past. So I'm just, uh, how, how big was his experience going into this event? Yeah. I mean, I think experience in the best range of competition is, is the best, the best thing you can do to prepare for it period. Um, you know, his, his knowledge on stakes, his knowledge on, you know, just things he wish he would have done last time. Uh, for instance, um, you know, for medical, we should have, you know, done it this way instead of doing it that way. And we can shave 15 seconds right there. Um, you know, little tidbits like that were crucial. And then uh, going into competitor week where they're briefing everything, you know, his first time around, he wasn't as hyper aware. And then when you kind of go through it the second time, he was videotaping everything and making notes and making me constantly take pictures of stuff. And like we videotaped all of the, uh, the ranges and what they looked like. So we, we could then practice in our heads uh, at night, what targets we were going to shoot in what order and kind of talk through it. So that hyper awareness that he kind of brought to the tape table was like a huge, huge advantage um, over some of the other competitors who, who hadn't competed before. So, I mean, you guys won, so it went well. What would you have done different in terms of, in terms of anything, like preparation or execution? I mean, you don't have to get into too much details if you don't want to. And are, Will you compete again? Like, how does that work? Can you compete for indefinitely, or do you get a certain, a certain couple cracks at it? It sounds like only a couple people were back from previous years. And yeah, so, so the Army's put a limit on the number of times you can compete um, to three. Uh, it's a mystery to me why they've done that. And I think um, in doing that, you know, the advantage that Al and I had this year is an advantage we would have not experienced had, um, you know, you had competitors out there who were allowed, you know, to, to continually come back. Um, for me personally, I, I, um, 
will not compete in the best ranger competition again. Um, I, I loved it. I had so much fun throughout the weekend, but it was also one of those things that it felt, you know, when you asked me, did, did I have any regrets? I honestly, for the first time in my life, walked away from a, a training cycle and, and the execution of that event without any regrets in my preparation or in the execution of the event. Um, you know, Al and I had a plan on game day um, and we stuck to that game plan. Um, like regardless of what happened, we had a plan for our train up and we stuck to that that plan. And every time I started to falter or wanted to, you know, not do the extra rep of something after a long day, he would force me to do it. And then every time he would falter, I was having a good day and I'd, I'd drag him along. So um, it was the first time in really the preparation for something that I felt like, hey, this is I've given it, you know, everything I have. And I've I've, you know, um, felt at peace with my preparation and then at peace with with the way things fell on game day. So I'm good. I, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. So I have a good taste in my mouth. That's smart. Do do repeat. Are there repeat winners? Has anyone won it multiple times? There are a couple, a couple repeat winners. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, Mike Rose has won it three times. Um, Whoa. He won it uh, with one partner two times. And then uh, when he was at the 75th Ranger Regiment, he won it with a, a different partner. So there, there are, there are those guys that keep coming back for more and, and keep getting after it. But like Mark said too, it's, it's such a time commitment that you have to make that it's, it's balancing, you know, as I now move on into a different, stage of my career, I'm not going to have the time I had here at the Ranger Regiment to, to really dedicate um, to the competition. And because of that, um, I feel like then if I competed again, I would feel like I'm, you know, missing out on all this stuff that, that I had previously done that now I can't just because of the nature of being a company commander or, or a, a higher level position than, than what I currently hold. So then I feel like I could drill down a, a ton more questions on, on things. We'll have to bring it back and we'll obviously we'll keep talking to you being part of the obscurious collab and seeing how things kind of progress moving forward. Like love to talk about, like you mentioned right off the beginning, like how to manage your, your nutrition, like making sure you're, you're keeping up and just some of the like ideas behind the preparation leading into it. Um, then that like 10 day window, I think that that could be like, or something really fun to explore and like how to kind of have, uh, an idea of what a race plan is going to look like and then executing on that race plan, I think is really valuable, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to spend this time and just kind of like talk about the race itself. So what do you got next? Like what, do you, what, what now? Just cause you, you, you just got into OCR. You mentioned burpees in, in terms of doing burpees before a, uh, like, uh, like shooting. So now we know burpees over the head. No Got it. What? Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. So you've done you, you're you're you've done some Spartan races. Um, so what's it look like now? What do you what do you got for the rest of the year? What are you thinking? Yeah. So I've you know I've kind of taken the last week to kind of just enjoy um, you know the win. Um, I I'm moving to Arizona here in in the next few weeks for kind of the next stage of my career, uh, and I'll be in school for you know five to six months. So I, I've got to kind of wait to see what that looks like at the schoolhouse um, and see what my obligations are there before I can build a training train program and, and really, uh, really dedicate, you know, the, the time I want to, to, to hit some good performances uh, like I want to. I think, you know, if, if everything goes well and, and I have my opportunity to, um, to train, I, I, I want to put Utah um, as kind of the, uh, 
the goal um, out there and then um, also put a marathon on for the, uh, the fall. Um, so there's, there's some fast marathons that run in Arizona in the early fall that usually have, you know, 60, 70 degree weather um, and on pretty flat courses. So go out there and, and try and get in, you know, a sub 230 kind of shape um, and then use the, the OCR side of the house as, as, you know, the reason to maintain the, uh, the strength and the well-roundedness that, that I had lacked prior to, prior to getting into some of this. I mean, this is a huge, big event to like lead up to. It just happened to be in the beginning part of the year, but like your A race is kind of done, right? Like, <laughs> so the rest of the year is kind of recouping and seeing what else, what else is out there and just enjoying some training and things like that. So that'd be sweet, but you that'll come up kind of quick. That'll be here before we know it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will. Um, and right now I'm kind of trying to feel up my body to see how it actually feels and, and w- what it feels like training again. Um, and I definitely don't want to rush back into, you know, a heavy training cycle coming right off of, you know, a four month, pretty, pretty deliberate cycle. So, right. um, I'm going to see how the body feels and, and listen to the body first and foremost, but yeah, definitely this was, this was the A race for the year for me. Um, and so anything else after this will just be extra candy at this point. Totally. Totally. Can't, can't top it. <laughs> um, Mark, anything else you want to touch on? Anything else that we should we should mention while we're here? No, I think you guys, I think you guys hit it all. Yep. So, I mean, Vince is freaking awesome. It really is such an outstanding um, accomplishment. Oh, I did have a question for this. The just in terms of context, right? Like we we kind of back to the beginning of the conversation, like how how big of a deal this is within the circle that you guys occupy from what you understand about the athletes who are in a ring, like a best ranger competition versus athletes who might be at like the Olympic trials for the marathon or for like the athletes who would be on like the Spartan pro team or something like that. How, how, how do you think they compare? Like, is there a comparison that you guys can draw lines to in terms of like athletic ability or is it a different thing because there's so much, more that goes into preparing for something like uh, the best ranger competition. So I, I would say, um, you know, you had, I think four guys in the field um, for the best ranger competition that were collegiate um, runners. You had three guys that I know of that were collegiate wrestlers. There was one guy from the uh, 10th mountain division who had played in the NFL on the Pittsburgh Steelers Um so you definitely have athletes in there through and through, um, you know, guys who are, are super into CrossFit or, or super into endurance sports in, in their own right. Um, um, and so, yeah, there's definitely athletes, you know, throughout the field um, compared to an OCR athlete. I think it, it's, it's hard to draw a direct comparison because although they're, they're fit because there's so many other things you have to focus on it becomes a different kind of fitness. And then um, because it's such an endurance uh, based event over three days, um, the training required is, is just a little bit different than it is to, to, you know, slam a, a 10 kilometer obstacle race. For instance, uh, in Jacksonville, my partner, you know, beat me in a 5k obstacle course race, um, which was, you know, awesome. Um, but if we went to, ruck 12 miles head to head um i i put like 
10, 12 minutes on him over the course of those 12 miles. So it, it's a whole different, you know, I think style of fitness and, and type of fitness that, that it doesn't draw a direct comparison to. I'm not sure, Mark, if you have, if you no, have a different I, idea on that. I completely agree. There's just a, it's a vast um, spectrum of athlete that competes in the best ranger competition. And, um, you know, Vince and Al, it was, they were like the perfect um, complement to each other on which they showed this year. Um, and a lot of other teams, you'll, you'll see the way the pairings go. Um, and I, you know, I paired with Tim Nelson, who we were very, you know, both of us are, are slim running types. And um, that like really worked well in a lot of events for us. Um, but then I also paired with, with Devin Miller, who's just a, a different type of athlete, a much stronger physically. Um, and he's just a completely different type of athlete and maybe not quite the endurance athlete, but he's like a lot stronger than me. And that strength came into, came into play in a lot of different events. So it's really hard to make that comparison between OCR and, uh, the best ranger competition. I would say that the, if you look at the, um, the top end of the field on the rucks and the runs, those guys probably are going to do pretty well um, in OCR events um, if they do decide to, to give that a shot just because of the, like Vince said, the running background. And then on top of that is just the, the grit and obstacle proficiency that you kind of develop um, by, by training for this type of event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see how things kind of translate over from 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 best ranger into ocr but yeah the skill sets like yeah if, if ryan atkins could shoot guns would he be good at this like like what would it take for him to get there you know would he be the same athlete if he could do those things you know like probably not um and, so I just think it's interesting and i think the most interesting dynamic is where you know every every other thing you could compare it to is like an individual you know competing in an event but in the best ranger competition it's really about you know how well is the lowest common denominator at any given task you're going to do, right? So there are things that I was stronger at Al at, like outright running and movement, but then Al could smack me in any obstacle course we step to. So it's, it's kind of, you know, there are times where I'm, you know, measuring my effort to, you know, let Al recover and, and keep up. And there's times that Al has to measure his efforts. And then there's times that things can go horribly wrong. As, as Mark mentioned in 2019, my partner, after the first event had a, had a core temperature of 107.4 and we couldn't continue the competition. And, and that's that. And because you have that dynamic of like, Hey, we have to get to the end of this thing together. Um, and in one piece, it, it changes the the scope of the game completely. Hmm. What are the thoughts on like tactical games? Are those similar? Like, could you go into like a tactical games type of, scenario and just like do well right away just based off your preparation or is that like is it the same thing i don't really know much, much about the tactical games though either yeah i don't know it's like yeah. that would be similar to one event that you would see at the best ranger competition um a lot a lot of those events that you see are are similar to some of the stress shoot type events uh that Vince mentioned um where you gotta you gotta make carry some a casualty um you know and then just shoot under fatigue and uh and duress um but yeah it, i think vince and, and al could jump in and right now and and probably hold their own in that type of event 
could be something to think about. You already, you already got it. Good to go. And I think they're all over the country, right? I think they are in different places. Um, so it could be cool. Um, well, sweet fellas. Well, I appreciate you, you joining me. This was super fun just to kind of dive into this world and learn more about it. And just like, again, the accomplishment's amazing. The preparation is as amazing. So Vince, congrats, man. This is thank really you, thank cool. Thank you so too. much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll make sure to link to all everybody's socials and things like that. Um, just to find if you want to reach out, say hello. Um, but that'll be that. That's us signing off. Awesome. Have a good one. Thank you.